You're listening to Carissa, the UFCVM communications intern and pre-vet student. Learning how to express ideas, scientific processes, and medical terminology to owners has to be done clearly and efficiently. Soon, our guest Scott Jamison will give insight on how to hone this vital skill. Welcome to the Pre-Vet Podcast. I'm Alex Avellino, your tour guide on the journey to becoming a veterinarian. Listen along as we provide you with tips, tricks, and tales on applying to veterinary school. Welcome back to the Pre-Vet Podcast. I'm Alex Avellino, and I'm so excited to continue on our people skills season of the uh, VEMCAST application. And today we have, to be honest, I feel a little weird talking about this because I don't know how we talk about oral communication, so verbal communication, but I did bring on a good friend of mine who I think will be an excellent addition to the season, Scott Jamison. Scott, welcome to the show. Thank you, Alex. I appreciate you having me. Thank you. Scott, will you tell the folks a little bit about your like professional life, kind of like what's your job on like a very basic level? Sure. I work in high school sports and I uh, help manage the athletics for the state of Florida. And the reason I thought of you is because you've kind of told me some stories about how you'll have referees or parents or students or coaches who come up and they want to talk to you. And there might be heated moments because sports is all about the heated moments. And so you have to have really excellent verbal communication. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's about the communication. It's about being empathetic towards people's situation um, and being able to have a conversation with them when maybe they are very heated and you have to try to be the one to calm the situation without telling them to calm down. That is one of the main things that you do not want to do is tell them to calm down. So you have to be able to communicate that without actually saying it, which can be a skill that you have to learn a little bit. It's it's not as easy as it sounds in all situations um, because you've probably been in those if you say, calm down, I was going to say, did you learn out. this because you're married? It, like, yeah, that's There's no way too. you say, tell, sure. tell, I don't want to be sexist, but you're not going to tell a woman to no, calm down. No, I wouldn't that's tell anybody to, but yeah. especially not my wife. Of yeah. course not. Um, but, but shout out to Kelly. Uh, yes, shout out to Kelly. But yeah, you, you, it's, it's, um, it's important to not – you don't want people to immediately feel like you're talking down to them. You mm. want to be having a conversation with them, not talking at them and telling them, okay, hey, listen, calm down. Everything's going to be okay. That no, they don't want to hear that. That typically escalates the situation. So, yes, I'm in a lot of those situations. So it's a skill that you have to develop. You can't just have it happen. No. So are we saying that verbal communication can also come down to – not just what you say, but also how you say it and maybe what you don't say. So we're Correct. not going to, in some situations, we might want to say calm down, but we know that's going to escalate the situation. Yes, it's it's yes, it's yes, a lot about what you don't say. It's your body language. It's are you looking at them? Do you look disinterested? Do you look oh, yeah. like you care about what they're saying? Because people can tell that too. Now, sometimes it's over the phone. And so, yeah. you know, you have to be locked in and you can't forget what they said and you have to be paying attention to what they're saying. Oh, staying present. Staying present in the moment. Yeah, and especially in person for sure. It's about what you don't say. It's It's giving them the attention, looking at them, making it seem like you care. I mean, you should be caring, but yeah. sometimes you're you're over you're, it. You're yeah, you may be over it, but you have to still um, understand that it's very important to them, which means it is important to me in that moment. That's delightful. You mentioned two things, and I'm glad you said it. You said in person, but you also said on the phone. 
So to me, like, that's kind of the only two ways to have verbal communication, unless we're talking Zoom, right? Actually, right. that's probably a whole other mm-hmm. set. Because that is another one. Zoom, you're having to have communication kind of skills. Yeah, because you're having to, like, make eye contact. You had to still have the body language, because that's a good point. You know, on the Vemcast application, and, you know, Scott, to, to remind everybody at home, which they know, but just so you know, the Vemcast application is the application that you use to apply to vet school. Okay, it's a big deal. It's a huge deal for these students who want to become veterinarians. And when we're talking verbal communication, there is not a nonverbal section on this app. So I kind of think that verbal oral communication is going to go in with body language as well. Mm-hmm. Because like yep. you said, it's not just what you say, but it's how you say it. Yep. And it's <clears throat> the tone that you're using. It's all different sorts of things. I mean, you can get turned off immediately by somebody on the phone. You can't see them, but you can oh, almost Oh, every day I get turned picture, off by someone on the phone. But you can picture how they're probably sitting in their seat and yeah. how their heads leaned yeah. back and they're just disgusted to have to talk to you. You can tell that by the way somebody is talking. You mentioned tone. Will you tell them one of your side hustles? I'm talking about PAing for the Gators. Oh, that one. Okay. Yes. Yes. So another reason I asked Scott to be on this show is because Scott sometimes serves as the public announcer at Gator Games. Um, I would I would venture women's basketball is maybe one of your claims to fame. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that to me is also oral communication, like having the confidence to have to get up on that mic and have the tone to get people excited. And that's like a whole nother level of like professionalism to know how to use those oral communication skills. Definitely. Can you talk about maybe building confidence to have the guts to get up on a mic in front of thousands of people and announce the games, like helping the students understand that they can get confident about that? Yes, that was that was a difficult one. I started doing those when I was younger. Um, I happened to know someone who uh, was had an in at the University of Florida with doing that kind of stuff, and they knew I worked in college athletics prior to high school athletics, and so I had done some games um, at Santa Fe College here, and so he knew that I had the ability to do it, and kind of said, "Hey, can you do a so a baseball game?" It's back when I was probably I don't know twenty four, twenty five, twenty three, just just out of college. I said, sure. Yeah, yeah. Who the the Gators? Yeah, they're playing Florida State. I said, oh, Ooh, that's a big game. Oh, Florida and Florida State for the first game I'm ever doing. He's like, yeah, yeah. You can come shadow for a couple games, and then you'll be fine. I was like, okay. And it was really nerve wracking, but confident. You use the word confidence. That's a really big thing because you can sell a lot of that. And I've watched enough games and done all that kind of stuff to where I said, yeah, I can do this. But it's a whole different ball game when you get behind the mic and you know every single thing you say, everybody is hearing. Right. And so you have to do it in a way. That is professional, and the University of Florida is has an expectation for what they want. Same thing with their students. There's expectations for their students. There's expectations for everything, and even public addresses. Simple as it may seem, you go to the game, you don't even think about it. There's so much going on behind that um, that it's you're kind of the conduit for what they want everybody to know. Besides the big video boards and stuff, right? You're, it's you're your the voice, conduit. So your oral it, communication. So it is a, um, yeah, yeah, that was nerve wracking the first couple of times. But now it's just kind of, it's like riding a bike. You just get out there and you do it. You know, one of my favorite TED Talks, if we're thinking about oral communication, is by Amy Cuddy. And it talks about how your body language like might shape who you are. But she talks about like faking it. Because you know the phrase, what is it? It's faking it till. Till you make it. And her phrase is fake it till you become it. Hmm. And so when you're telling this story about going out to that first big game, like never having really done it at that level before, but you're like, all right, I'm going to shout. I'm going to go for it. It almost feels like to me that you you just did it. You're like, I'm going to I'm going to give this a shot. I'm going to have the confidence to do it. And I think that's what these students need when it comes to oral communication. Scott, I don't know how much you know about 
veterinary school. But a, a lot of students, I think, come to vet school because do you know what they love? I'm going to take a wild guess. Yeah. Animals. They love animals. Okay. And sometimes that could come with maybe a dislike or maybe not as like an affinity for People. people okay and so i have some students especially in this in this generation who don't like to talk on the phone they're not used to making phone calls they're used to texting they're used to maybe having more like written communication interaction so the phone calls can be tricky the one-on-one conversations can be tricky especially when dealing with like an angry client or if you have to deliver bad news and so that's i want to come back to like fake it till you become it these students need to just go out there and practice it but can you talk about how Working with the high school athletics, how you've built the confidence to have those maybe uncomfortable interactions? Sure. Yeah. So that the worst part of the job in any job, I think, is giving people bad news. So you kind of figure out ways to give that bad news in a way that maybe you can circle back around and make something positive out of it in, in some way, shape or form. And I think the whole fake it until you become it is a really that's very profound, actually. Everybody um, should watch that TED Talk. Google it. That, that's, that's your homework. Very profound thing to say because just circling back to the first time I did the game, I went in and said the the idea being, and I had a situation at my current job where I had to speak to about 200 athletic directors after I'd been on the job for like three months. And so my my thought process was, okay, I don't want them to know that this is the first time I've done this. 100%. So I have to go in there and just be confident and act like I've done this a hundred times. And, you know, it was, there was some hiccups there and some stuff I didn't know. I said, I'm gonna have to get back to you on that because I hadn't been doing it long enough. Um, But as I was leaving, everybody came up and talked to me. Same thing at the Gator game. All right, see you next game. You know, it was kind of a thing where I was, and I'm thinking, man, I don't know how good of a job I did, but being confident and just sort of walking in there and you don't want to be overconfident. You right. don't, don't want to say, oh, I'm just gonna, but there's, yeah. a, there's, a, there's a definitely a difference and a fine line between the two. Um, but the, the idea of the bad news stuff and that's something I had to get used to at, at, at my current job um, because unfortunately it's part of it. So what I would do with that is make sure that the only things people didn't hear from me was the bad news. So I would call schools, for example, and just check in on them. Hey, how's it going? Smart, or, smart. or talk to them about other stuff or say, hey, saw you guys won this game. Great job. And if I can help you with anything. So then when you have to deliver that bad news, it's not like, who, who is this that okay, I'm talking to? Okay, good point. So starting like a building relationship, yeah. having some trust there. Yeah, and I think that's, um, you know, in, in vet school, I don't know exactly how that would maybe um, relay. But right. I can tell you that we left a vet because they – did not communicate things to us and they were very short and mm. I don't want to use the word rude because mm. um, that's maybe not the right word. I just think their bedside manner was a little bit and it's like we're dealing with our dogs. They're members of your family. Yep. You you have, yeah, you and have animals. Like, You've experienced vets firsthand. So we changed vets at, at one point and it was just like and it wasn't the work they did was fine. But we wanted to be able to have that. I don't want to say a relationship. You don't necessarily have a relationship with your vet. Some I mean, people I think may. you can't. Yeah. Some people, large animal vets, may have a relationship with farm, sure. farmers and, sure. and that kind of stuff for sure. Um, but even for us, it was like we want to be able to go in there and ask questions and not feel stupid. Right. And not feel like our dog, there's something wrong with them just because of certain things and everything like that. So um, there's an art form to doing that and developing that. And, um, you know, I guess. For some people, maybe they don't ever get that wake-up call of, oh, gosh, I'm really turning people off. Mm, but Oh, yeah. there's some self-awareness there. There has to be self-awareness, and that's something that um, 
takes time to develop as well and recognizing that, okay, I do have to have self-awareness in this situation and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm doing things incorrectly. Well, I I think it's a a marriage of self-awareness and then asking folks you trust for feedback. Mm -hmm. So when you said after doing the first game or that huge meeting with the 200, you know, folks, maybe having someone who has your back in the audience to give you actual feedback afterwards. Like real feedback, not you you did great. No, you need feedback. So I think everyone, and I I guess for us, for vet school training, we do client communication training and, and they get some feedback. I think there could be more for sure because you might be having a really great day or a really rough day. And and I don't want you to determine all of your oral communication skills on one or two client simulation settings. So having someone who can give you some feedback, even just if you can do some public speaking engagements. And I want to address something, too, when you were saying I didn't want people to know it was my first time. One of my biggest pieces of advice for any human, I and I don't, I mean, I'm sure someone could like come at me and say like, oh, I disagree. I never tell someone when it's the first time I'm doing something. Yeah. Like if you have to get up and give a talk and the second someone gets up and gives a talk and be like, oh, I'm really nervous. It's my first time. Immediately, the whole audience, I think, is looking for every indication it's your first time. Mm-hmm. Or the first time y'all are like, if you're on your first day as a vet, I wouldn't tell anyone. No. I, I mean, you know, I, sure. I inside you can be excited, but I would not tell the clients. The first time I taught a class at university... I did not tell them it was my first time teaching. It's my first day, guys. Yep. Nope. Yeah, not no. telling them. Probably I, not a good thing to do. I don't think it helps yeah. you or the other folks. So that, you know, that's just my opinion. The interaction you had with the vet that wasn't great. What could they have done differently to help keep that relationship going for y'all? So it was just a combination of different things after a while um, where we would see the assistance a lot, which is fine. The vet is pulled in a hundred different directions. We get that. The main vet is. Um, but it was just always very short interactions and it wasn't the. Yeah. And I, I, I can. It's it's easier for me to compare it to our new vet who. Hey, how's Barley doing? Mm. How And like they act like they're. Oh, man, it's so good to see him. He looks like he's doing great. And they even even if she literally was out in the hallway reading up on stuff and then just giving herself 30 seconds worth of research to come in and then talk about the dog. It made huge. us feel like, oh, she cares. Huge difference. She cares. Well, and that was a huge thing with the other one. There didn't She didn't seem to care as much. And this one, like I said, I don't know. Maybe she remembers everything, yeah. but maybe she also took 30 seconds before she walked in to look at the chart, look at this, look at that, and then come in and, and start talking about it like, Hey, good to see you. Yeah. you know, so that made a big difference, and so that was, you know, and we we realized we made a good decision after afterwards. That. Yeah. yeah, y'all have to be efficient. Like I get that you might only have fifteen minute appointments. A lot of clinics work like that, yep. which means you have to be really good Absolutely. at building a connection quickly. We always say like be chatting with the client while you're doing the physical exam. Using someone's name is so huge. Shaking someone's hand. Or whatever seems appropriate in that situation. We weren't shaking cans for COVID right, for a while. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, you don't have a lot of time to build trust, but there's little things you can do. The eye contact, the tone of voice, seeming interested, asking a few questions. You got to do it. Oh, yeah. You got to do it. You'll lose clients if you don't. Yep, you will. And it has to be a concerted effort too. And it's the same thing even if you're on the phone and you know you have to make 15 phone calls. And those, I know, those, it's hard. Those last few, you might be trying to just get through them mm. but you'll want to treat the last one like the first one like you're oh say that again you got to treat the last one like the first one that's so true yes. because you the, the, again people will know and 
you don't want to get the, re- the reputation builds up really quickly know. with that kind of stuff. And I think people don't understand that, that you, you don't want that reputation. You want to be empathetic to people's, like I said before, if it's important to them, it needs to be important to you. It's not going to be the most important thing in the world to you. But mm-hmm. when I have a parent call or an athletic director call or somebody like that, and they're telling me something in the back of my mind, I'm going to be going, this seems like very small potatoes, but it's not. But not to because them. Because they took the time to make that phone call, which uh, means I it guess. was important to them. I know. And it's hard. It, it, it can be sometimes frustrating. And there's people that just say, all right, I'm just going to put my phone on D&D for a while. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have to deal with it. And that's fine. But call people back. You make said- that connection. And it goes a long ways. They won't. The people, it's. My goal is always to get people to thank me by the end of the call, no matter how mad they are. It doesn't always work, mm. by the way. It does not I like that goal, work. though. But I always want them to say, you know what? I don't like what you, I don't like your answer. <laughs> yeah. I would have preferred something else, but thank you for taking the time to talk to me and hear me out. Because sometimes people just want to be heard. They don't. They don't necessarily. They know what the answer is going to be. They call. The reason that they're calling sometimes in certain instances is because they've exhausted every other thing that they can and they and no one's listened to them and they just need to be heard and they know what answer they're going to get but they still need that 10 minutes to vent about their kid or something like that and they want to know that at least you're engaged with them you're going to try to maybe give them some options moving forward but they know the answer is going to be no but they can feel like it was productive and i think a lot of times people get shut down so many different ways if they can have that one time it can be a huge difference for them and for their kid you said something to me a few weeks ago i forget what we were talking about we i would think i was just telling you that i had had a bad a bad moment with someone on the phone and you said do you remember what you said i don't you said if you're in customer service you don't get to take a day off you don't and i was like oh my god you're so right like it doesn't matter if I'm in a bad mood, the person I'm calling is in a bad mood. If our job is a ser- is in the service industry, which is your job, which is my job, we really do need to be on when we're dealing with our clients. Mm-hmm. And like you said, if you need to put your on your phone on do not disturb, go take a walk, but you need to come back and then yep. you need to treat that last client like the first client. Yep. Here's what I want, my question for you. Where did you learn this? Like where? Because the things you're saying make a lot of sense that some people just want to be heard. They know the answer they're going to get. My goal is for them to say thank you to me at the end of the phone call. Is it time? Is it experience? Is it how you were raised? Like how did you get here? A combination of all of it. Mm -hmm. Um, I grew up with my dad. Well, both my parents. But my dad always telling me to respect people, respect people. They may not respect you, but you should have respect for people just as a human being. And again, if it's important to them, just make it important for yourself for that. Even if it's for five minutes, make it important. And if you make it important, then you will be engaged in that conversation and you might be able to help. You may not be able to help them, but they'll feel like you at least did something for them. And I think just over the years of having to deliver information that is not good. You have to find ways to, you, you can't just say, and, and, I'll, and I'll be honest with you, when I first got to where I'm at, I talked to people who, when they would call, I was excited to be there. I was, beyond, I was very excited to be there. And I, and I loved my previous job. I learned a lot from there, a lot what not to do um, in interactions with people. Um, and that helped shape me. Um, I was up building relationships on campus that sometimes were, uh, had gone by the wayside. And I said, well, we, we, we need marketing people. We need them to be on our side. So let me go up and talk to them. But when I first got there, I was excited to be there. And so when people would call, I would have maybe a 15 minute conversation. Um, and I'm thinking, gosh, that shouldn't have probably taken that long. Maybe I let them talk for too long, but 
then those same people would call me back again and they'd call back again. And I had a couple of them say, you know what? Things have changed at the FHSA. It used to be we would just – and I'm not just saying this is me. I'm saying it was, it was a, a cultural change from everybody. Um, it – we used to just call up and, and get a no or get, you know, or something like that years ago. And I, I took that almost personally mm. of like, well, I don't like that at all. I don't want that to be the reputation of where we're at. Um, I want to – Again, for people to be, I want to like communicate approachably. I don't know if that makes a no, ton of sense, yeah. but I want to be able to communicate be approachable. approachably. Yeah. And so every time I talk to somebody, I want them to hang up and go, well, I know if I need something else, I can call Scott. Yeah. And so even if it's somebody from a different department, they know they can at least call me. They'll get in touch with me. I'll get in touch because we, we have a wonderful staff. Everybody's really engaged in the customer experience. That's mm. what we refer to it as. That's what our boss says that wants to be a customer experience. Not even just customer service, but a customer experience. So that way it's um, all of it combined, not yeah. just the service aspect of it, but the entire experience for them. Um, because that's what we deal with is experience for student athletes. Um, and we want that to be, you know, the most exciting time of their life. Some of them, that's the only time they'll play sports. Um, so we want to say, all right, this may be the only time they go to a state championship. This might be the only time they go to a district championship in their life. And how can we make it as as good as we can possibly make it? And I try to treat everything like that because not every kid makes it. So it might be a situation where sometimes the communication you have with them is the most important time that you'll have to talk to them and not unless you may not see them at a state championship event oh um, that's deep. so it makes it easier to have those conversations when i'm like oh this is important oh this is gonna be an important phone call mm -hmm. whatever it is no matter who it is um and sometimes you're just getting screamed at uh, yeah again, how are you dealing with that because they're gonna get these students are gonna get screamed at yes. both as dvm candidates and as, and as veterinarians internally mentally like how are you dealing with it it can be difficult mentally at times um you can feel like you take it personally um because there's times people will call up and blame you personally for whatever issue that they're having and you know it's not necessarily you individually it's not something it may be something that's a state law it may be something that's a, a rule in the book that you just can't get around and again sometimes you have to let them just sort of vent while also not just, you know, laying your head back and taking the, the receiver off your ear. You want to listen because you may pick up some things in what they're saying and then you may be able to help them out with that. Well, I, you know, I noticed that you mentioned um, this. You do actually have some options. We do have some due process you can go through. Um, we do, you know, it's not the end of the road, so don't give up. Um, you know, you never know. I, and I and I try to tell people because sometimes I go, ah, I'm, I'm so sorry. I know I'm just so angry. I said, it's not anger to me. It's passion. You have passion oh, for your kid. You're good. You're very good at that customer experience. Pa passion is different than anger. I said, it's your kid. So it's passion. It's not anger. And, they, and that always, then they're like, okay, he gets it. Okay. Help them come he off the it. defense. Yes. I hear you yes. saying that oral communication. And I think, you know, we're kind of like, we're hinting at this this whole time. Like you got to have the listening skills. So it's both because if I want to communicate with someone else, I need to know what they're saying. I need yes. to be listening. Otherwise, I'm just going to be saying my perspective. They're never going to hear me, and we're not going to have a, a productive conversation. Yeah, correct. So, and sometimes you have to listen for a while to pick up information. Sometimes you can pick stuff up in 10 seconds, but you've got to be listening the entire time because you may pick something up in that quick, short conversation that you can turn everything around. Or you might have to listen for 20 minutes while they say the same thing over and over and over again because it's making – I don't know if it's making them feel better necessarily, but it's what they feel like in that moment they need to do. At times it can get to the point where you may say, okay, you know what? Listen, um, let's – we're not being productive right now. Let's take let, – let's 
circle back to this a little bit later. I'm going to go talk to my boss. We're going to have a conversation about it. Then they feel like, oh, okay, he's going to escalate this thing. All right, well, then we'll let him do that. And then we'll let, let's talk about this again tomorrow morning. How, how does that sound? We'll set up a time to talk. We can have a conversation about this later because it's not, it's also not productive to just have somebody screaming and no, yelling. No, they on calm the phone. down. Right. So, Scott, like technically, you could be asked by a pre vet student to write a letter of recommendation for them for vet school. That could happen because you're mm-hmm. a professional. Mm-hmm. You might have an intern working under you or sure. an undergrad or even someone who's out of school who works for you. And they say, Scott, you know, we've been working together for a long time. Can you write me this letter of rec for vet school? And you get the form, and it has the section on oral communication where you have to rank them on a scale of excellent to poor. What kinds of interactions do you need to have with someone to be like, they have excellent oral communication? Hmm, That is a very good question. You know, I think some of the uh, simplest things are sometimes that you pick up on, at least for me, pick up on uh, the quickest because just if I was going to rank somebody and I want to, again, see that they're engaged, I don't have to have them staring me in the eyes the entire time, but somebody who, when I go to talk to them or ask them something or have them go talk to somebody, um, I mean, there's been time to have had interns and you don't necessarily want them on the phone because you're like, oh, because yeah, oh, you know they're not skilled. They might not be oh. the best on the phone. And then Oops. there's other ones when you're ready to put them out there, right out there to be in front. Um, I do want to mention, I recognize that there are folks who oral communication just isn't their skill set, sure, right? We sure. have, we Absolutely. other, you know, there are, there are definitely some folks who are better with written communication. We have folks who come from just differing abilities. Absolutely. But this is part of the form. So you want to work on it. And right. you're saying people can work on it. They oh, yeah. can be moldable and trainable. And, and because the oral communication thing is on there, it goes to show you how important that I mean, is. Phone in-person clients, but even not clients, the technicians that you work with, the assistants, the interns, the students, the other veterinarians, the managers, you have to have some form. You're, you're going to be talking to people. You mm-hmm. got to be a talker and it has to come off the right way. I also want to point out, good time to remind you that during the interview, some of you have, <laughs> some of you, some students are ramblers. You got to learn to be concise. Yep. That's something that we're looking for in the interview is can you get a thought across in a concise way? If you find that you're not able to answer a question within, in my mind, 90-ish seconds in this interview, you're going to have some problems helping people like pay attention. We just don't have the attention span anymore to listen to a soliloquy. So get those answers concise. We're talking a lot about growth and getting better. So Scott, let's talk today a month from now and a year from now. What's something they could start doing today to work on these oral communication skills? I think having conversations with people, going up and talking and um, discussing, and it sounds so simple and so ridiculous, but just actually talking to people and talking about different things, talking about different topics and having, being able to, one of the most important things is being able to think on the fly and being able to, and being able to read a room and see like, Oh, maybe I need to go in a different direction with this. Um, you know, cause there, there are times when you start talking and okay, I'm not really either winning people over or I'm losing people and I've got to change, not getting dejected about it, but just going, okay, different group. I've got to, I've got to adjust, but but you've got to have the self-awareness and the ability to, I, it's not like I made this up, but reading a room you got to be able to read a room Mm -hmm. and say, all right, I got to know my audience a little bit. And whether that's one person or whether that's 50 people is you do have to know your audience and who you're talking to. 
Um, and so I think something to start doing now is not always just being on your phone. And I'm guilty of that too, by the way, um, being on your phone all the time and wanting to just always text, but pick up your phone and call somebody and talk Ooh, ooh I love over that. instead of texting and actually have a conversation. Cause I think we get, and again, I'm lumping myself into this. You get into the crutch of just sending a five second text about something or asking yeah. a question. And it's like, ah, pick up the phone. There's times at work. I'm like, oh, I just want to send an email, but I say, you know what? I'm going to call the person oh, yeah. and talk I'm it out with them. Cause that's how you build relationships. Anyways, emails do not build relationships. And ever. it's hard to sometimes, and you can't read tone in email. No. So mm-hmm. we're, okay. So we're saying today, I say challenge, talk to somebody in person, maybe someone you're not as comfortable with. So yes. not like a best friend and call someone. Mm-hmm. Okay. What could they be doing a month from now? What's something that maybe over the next month they're thinking about working on, reading, listening to, to get better? I would say challenge yourself and step out of your comfort zone with different things as well. And I don't, I'm trying to think of some examples that could be on campus. Um, I mean, you could run for a position in a club. Yep. You could. I I would say take, take a speech and speech and debate everyone should take a class speech and, debate is, and, public and take class, more yeah. than one if you can yeah a year from now what do we hope for them for their oral communication skills what could they have done what could they have tried where should they hope to be a year from now i think a year from now um you obviously you would want to see growth in that so if you're not continuing to stretch what you're doing and the different things that, you know, trying different things too. Um, and I think it's just as simple as you you almost have to put yourself into situations to be able, because, you know, you can't fabricate every situation. You can't just go up and start talking to somebody and, and, and run through scenarios or whatever it may be. You almost have to do it in the real yeah, world. Yeah, it has and, to be organic. And be thrown into it and be organic. So whether that's at your job and having to deal with difficult situations, and there's going to be times when, Again, you are in whatever job you may have or if you're working in a lab or something like that, you may try to avoid those difficult situations and it may be like, oh, hey, there's somebody really angry out there. You go talk. You know, say, oh, no, I'll, go, I'll go talk to him. Good idea. I'll go talk to him. Embracing the challenge. I, I have sort of made that the thing at the office. Like if you have somebody that's angry, put them through to me. I will talk to him on the oh, phone. Oh, Scott, I just got chills. That is so I don't cool. care how mad they are. And, and, and sometimes it doesn't go particularly well. But put them through. It's a challenge. And it's something that if you ever want to have the ability to grow, you have to be in uncomfortable situations and you have to want to step up. And people will notice that, too. If they go, she wants to deal with that same person that comes in and complains all the time. Yeah, because now it's a challenge for me to find out why are they complaining? Oh, I'm going to do I'm going to do what this. is I love this because th- 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 there's a reason. Right. People aren't just mad for no reason. People no, are upset for no, something. There's something. And you don't have to be a psychologist no. and get to the bottom of it. But no. there's there's some surface things that you can help them. You know, so okay, how can we help you? How can we do this or yeah. whatever? Okay, talk me through it. Yeah, some you know what? You know what? You're right. That is actually frustrating. <laughs> I, I do understand why you're frustrated, and sometimes you'll catch people off guard. Like, oh, you do understand because no one else has told me they understand. They just get mad that I'm here or whatever. And so, I think stepping up and when there are those, put yourself right out into them. What's the worst that can happen? You know, at the end of the day is no, you'll learn something. just compose yourself, hold yourself together and and show people. And then you will, it will be amazing how quickly you'll realize, like, oh, I can do it's this. It's not that this bad. This isn't that yeah, bad. Not this is not bad. really that. Do- I'm not special. You're not special. I mean, you're special. Thank you. But Yeah. Um, but there's nothing special about what we do. It's just doing it. You you have to do it. You, you can't just pass it off to everybody else or avoid difficult situations because then you never you have to fail 
to get better. Mm-hmm. It's I tell my kids, they play baseball. Baseball is a game of failure. You're going to strike out a lot, but you're also going to hit some home runs. But you never hit the home runs unless you get up there and strike out a few times. Like it's just you have to it life is a game of failure. I also want to encourage y'all to do some LinkedIn learning trainings, go on YouTube, listen to some TED Talks, especially for communication in the healthcare field, especially when we're talking about different cultures, races, ethnicities, Mm -hmm. things to think about, cultural competence. You want to make sure that when you finally do feel confident enough to get up there and talk to those clients that you can think about different lived experiences, what might what might or might not make someone comfortable. So I think that would be really wise too with oral communication. That would really show a next level of intelligence and interpersonal communications if you think of it from that level. Yeah. Communication as well. Scott, we always ask our guests to give like big life advice. So if you were going to give some advice that either you've heard that has helped you or something you wish you had heard, at the time, like when you're really trying to get that career started and get those big goals and get into that office or that clinic that you want to be at, what advice do you want these pre-veterinary students to hear from you? So I think it's something that I heard from my dad, from my current boss is, and it's, I'm sure a lot of people have heard this too, is do whatever you do, whether people are watching or not watching. So You're not always, when you know there's a promotion coming up, you don't all of a sudden just flip the switch and start doing your stuff. You're doing it all the time. And I promise you, people notice that. A hundred percent, they always notice that. I notice that. When there's a job open, all of a sudden everybody's walking around, trying to help people out, trying to do different things. Just be on all the time. And don't expect things. Um... Things don't always come when you want them to. Um, I had grand visions of what I wanted to do at the college level. The timing didn't work out. But you can't hang your head and then just, oh, it's not fair. Or I deserve more. You deserve what you have. You deserve what you get. And you deserve what you work for. And I think that you have to be willing to put in the time. And you have to, again, you just always be on. People will notice that and they'll go, that's the person we want. Because... Even when no one's here, they're here by themselves or they're here with one other person. They're working hard or they're going above and beyond. They're talking to all these different people and they're not telling people about it, but we're hearing about it. And we know that that's how they are. And so I think that's really, really important. And that's something that is just just always be on. Always be, you know, stay passionate about what you do and don't do it just when you think people are going to notice it and when it can better you. Always be doing what you need to do. You don't have to get ready if you stay ready. If you stay ready. That's right. Well, Scott, thanks so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. I feel inspired to work on, I mean, I'm a talker. I am too. You're a talker too. If people couldn't tell, I tend to get going, yes. Yeah. But we can be better. Mm -hmm. We can be better talkers. We can think about, have some self-reflection, self-awareness, ask the people around us who we trust, like, hey, where can I get a little bit better on those verbal communication skills? What can I do differently? How can I evolve? I'm going to start leaning into the challenging conversations for sure. I definitely want to start being more excited when I get those phone calls that are going to be difficult. And I appreciate this. This was a wonderful opportunity and good luck to everybody out there. But you make your own luck. Remember that. So you got to get out there. You got to work hard. You got to be willing to put in the extra time and good luck. I know um, 
I appreciate my vet. They're very important people in our lives, That's right? Because so nice. our pets are our family. Absolutely. So we, you're taking care of our family, so we really appreciate that. I'm Alex Avellino, and we'll talk to you soon. I'm going to ask you to do one thing for me. Okay. So we're the pre-vet podcast. Okay. Will you pretend that the pre-vet podcast just shot a three-pointer and say it in the voice <laughs> so I can hear it? So I have to say pre-vet podcast For three. Okay. <clears throat> okay, let me see if I can do this. Pre-vet podcast for three. That was perfect. One more time, pause cast. Pause. Yeah, yeah. But that's good because, you know, it's good to practice. You don't want to do Alex Avellino? Yeah, I do. Well, I don't think they care about hearing my name. Pre-vet podcast for... Pause, Scott. Pause. (laughs) Pre-vet pause cast for three. Yeah, the crowd goes wild. My voice is a little bit shot right now. I'm sorry. I'm allergy stuff. So what did we say? Are we going to apologize? 100%. Are we going to apologize though? Because no, they no. don't know what your regular voice sounds like unless That's they've true. been to the WBK women's basketball. That's true. <laughs>